It's just kind of really been uh, a blessing to me. I'm just kind of just been letting this mull over in my heart, mull over in my mind, mull over in my spirit when we look at what God has called us to do. And uh, he gave this to me, running to win. Running to win. How many people just don't want to run, but you want to run to win? Uh, I remember reading something on Michael Phelps. How many people know who Michael Phelps is? Right? The Olympic gold swimmer. And uh, I remember reading about his regiment, right? And he said that he practices 365 days a year. Christmas, Thanksgiving, his birthday, for hours every single day. Does not miss one day. Even before he got to the gold status, he said for years he would practice every single day. And many times we don't know what it takes in order to win the run. Right? So I want to give you some tools that you cannot just run but win. Now, I, I'm, I'm, that's just my mindset. Now, I never understood the person who just ran the ran. To run, you know, they just they in the last one. I just want to cross the finish line. <laughs> That's fine, but I want you, <laughs> I want you to run to win. Somebody say, run to win. Run to win. Come on, you don't look like you want to win this one. <laughs> say, I want to run to win. Run to win. Amen. And God wants you to have a winning spirit. Come on, somebody. He wants you to have a running, a winning, running spirit, so that you can know that God has called you to win, not to give up. Come on. The enemy wants you to give up, right? You don't have to be first, but you do have to cross the finish line, right? Because the race is not given to the swift, but you have to do cross the finish line. God does have a work for you to do. And the worst thing to do is that when you've ever played sports, you can't run looking at the person running next to you, right? You can't ride the bike looking at the person next to you because you're going to crash, right? You have to look at your race, what has God called you to do? And the enemy will cause you to be distracted looking at everybody else running around you and you not paying attention to your race. So I want you to write this down. What's my race? Not your color. I mean your race. You know, like, you know, your, your <laughs> what, what has God called you to run? Right? What's my race? What's my race? I want to look at this. I'm not going to be too long for you today. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Galatians 6 and 9. Hey, Uriah, just go to the next. I have to reboot my, um, just go to the next thing for me. Thank you so much. Let me see if I reboot it automatically. Okay, yep, I'm good. Galatians 6 and 9. I love the scripture. And it says, let, uh, uh, and let us not get tired of doing what is right. I mean, that's a good scripture right there. Because there are seasons where you get tired of doing what's right. Because the enemy wants to make it seem like everyone else that is doing wrong is moving forward. But here you are trying to do the right thing and you standing still. Look at somebody and say, that's not true. Come on, the enemy does not want you, right? Come on. The enemy does not want you to move forward. So he wants you to think that everybody else around you, my wife and I always talk about this. You know, when people that are just taking those shortcuts, the enemy wants you to think they're moving forward. When they're not moving forward, they're actually moving backwards. And the Bible says, hey, I know this is what happens, but I want to encourage you today, don't get tired of doing what's right. Do not get tired of showing up 
Don't get tired of being on time. Come on. Don't get tired of being integral. Don't get tired of reading your word. Don't get tired of worshiping God. Don't get tired of putting God first. Whatever you do, do not get tired of doing what's right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest. Watch this. Not just any harvest, but a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. So the enemy's job is to get you discouraged. He wants you to get discouraged. Why? Because if you get discouraged, you'll give up. He's hoping that you give up. He wants you to give up. Because if you stay in the fight and actually do what God has called you to do, you have the ability to take people out of his kingdom and put them in the kingdom of God. Because somebody's watching your race. I'm almost done. Come on. Somebody is watching your race. You don't know who's on the sideline. They're not running their race, but they're watching you run your race. And they want to see, are you going to give up when it gets tough? Come on, somebody. Are you going to throw in the towel when you get tired? How are you going to respond if somebody taking shortcuts? Are you going to try to take a shortcut too? Somebody is watching you run your race. And God says, hey. Don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't get tired of doing what's right. In, today, in today's society, man, you look around, and sometimes you feel you get tired of doing what's right when it seems like everybody else is doing the opposite of what the word of God says. Come on, somebody. It seems like we live in a society where everybody's doing the total opposite of the word. But I want to encourage you today, church, that no matter what kind of criticism you come against, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what he tries to whisper in your ear, do not get tired of doing what's right. Because he knows that at the end of you doing what's right, there is a harvest. And he doesn't want you to get the harvest. Come on here, somebody. Well, Pastor, I'm coming every Sunday. Sometimes I know, but don't get tired of doing what's right. Because at the end of what you do what's right, he says, watch this harvest does not come right away, heaven. But after a while, after a while, people are going to turn around and say, wow, they came out of nowhere. I said, if anybody ever says Ruach came out of nowhere, I'm going to punch them in their nose because they wasn't here. Come on. They say, wow, y'all just blew up overnight. No, 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 no. You wasn't here when we kept doing what was right. Come on, somebody. When we kept pressing what was right, when we kept preparing, putting flags out, when five people, 20 people, 30. Come on, come on, somebody. Well, you got to keep doing what's right because after a while, well, a harvest will show up if you don't give up. So today I want to encourage somebody not to give up. Look at somebody say, don't give up. Come on, find somebody else and tell them, don't give up. The enemy's been telling you all week to give up, but I want you to know, don't give up. He's been telling you, throw in the towel. That business is too hard. Being a Christian is too hard. Being integral is too hard. Come on, but I'm telling you today, don't give up. Because your harvest of blessing is right around the corner. I love this. I just want to show you what this, this thing blessing means. And I, and I looked at the Torah. I have this awesome study commentary that looks at the Old Testament and it looks at the, uh, some Torah notes uh, because, you know, the original Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And I love this. One of the rabbis defined what it means to be blessed. And he says, God will bless, will be so gracious to you that you will be overtaken by blessings. Even when you make no effort, come on, somebody, to obtain them. The blessing will come even when logic and nature would indicate that they cannot happen. 
All the blessings will overtake you without effort when his people make the study of the word their primary activity and their occupation secondary. Oh, that's some good stuff right there. He said, once you put the word first and everything else comes second, here comes the blessing. Because the blessing will never play second fiddle to the word. To, to, to your, your, your job or anything else. It will never play second fiddle to your, your, your carnal passions. Come on. Yeah, oh, man, I love sports. I love sports. I love business. I love to read. I, I mean, I have a huge library of everything that you can think. I love to read. But I always got to make sure that I put the word first. And everything else has to come second. Why? Because the word will never play second fiddle to anything else. Write that down somewhere. The word will never play second. It will never play second. When I got married, I got married so my wife will be first always. There will never be a woman on this planet that will be before her. I thought I'd get a better amen for that one. My goodness. Right? Why? Because that's the commitment that I made to her. For better, for worse, for sicker, for poorer, no matter what. I When we first got married, I said, now... You know, I'm doing good now, but if I'm living in a box, are you still going to stay with me? She's like, I'm going to stay with you. I didn't believe in it, but she, she's been with me through some thick times and some rough times. Why? Because I, I make sure that she doesn't play second to anybody. She's always first. And God said the same thing with his word. His word has to be first. Could you imagine all you got to do is put the word first and the blessing will come upon you without any effort? Even when it looks like logic in nature, it makes no sense. People are going to look at you and say, you just bless. You, you didn't even apply for the job and you just got the job. You, they, they tapped you on the shoulder before they tapped me. Come on, that's, that's you bless. <laughs> We're blessed. That's the blessing, Ben. That's the blessing. You didn't even have to, they, they tapped you. That's the blessing. Doors are opening and not closing. That's the blessing. God releases that blessing. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, say it like you believe it. I am blessed. blessed. I want you to write this down, that God releases the blessing in seed form. Right? God releases blessings and increase in seed form. He does not give it to you in tree form. Right? It's not in tree form, Lorenz. He gives it to you in seed form. So he says, hey, I've given you seed. I've given this to you. But, man, if you knew the power of this seed, today I'm seeding you today. I'm telling you don't give up. I'm seeding you today. I'm telling you hang in there. I'm seeding you today. I'm telling you there's a harvest at the end of you continuing to do right. I'm seeding you. And watch this. In this seed, there is a huge, massive tree that has enough fruit in it to not just feed you, but feed your family and your children and your children's children's children. If you just manage the seed... Come on, somebody, and don't let the enemy pull up your seed out of the soil because when you get out of here, the Bible says the enemy comes when? Immediately to pull that seed up. You're going to leave here happy today. I'm going to preach you happy. I'm going to preach you get happy. You're going to leave here happy. You're going to leave here excited. And guess the enemy is going to try to make you frustrated when you leave here. But you don't, don't let him pull that seed up. Come on, somebody, because that seed has the ability to become a tree. All blessings come first in seed form. And it's designed to function on its own. But it's what you do with that seed that determines what it becomes. It's what you do with that seed that determines 
what it becomes. Am I making sense to anybody here today? Let's look at a couple more scriptures and we're going to pray. I love this. It says Matthew 24 and 13 says, but he that shall endure until when? He gets tired. No, 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 no. Until the end, the same shall be saved. He that endureth not till he gets tired, not till somebody else says stop, but until he endures to the end, until what? Until the end, the same shall be saved. He says, listen, your reward comes when you endure to the end. I love the scripture here in, in, in 1 Samuel, and I love this because we always look at Saul, and we talk about how Saul, you know, was disobedient to God. We don't know the story, right? And disobeyed God, and God chose David. David became king. Saul was just, you know, God, uh, the prophet Samuel told him to wait. He had the I can't wait, and he went on to worship without, without the prophet. And as a result, he got denied and rejected as king, right? And David became king. If you never read that, read 1 Samuel. Awesome story. But I want to back up a little bit to what caused God to even decide to choose Saul in the first place. Yeah, we know the people wanted a king. We know that already, right? But here it is. Saul's obedience to his father put him on a path to come into his destiny. Now the donkeys of Kish, who was Saul's father, they were lost. And Kish said uh, to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you. Arise and go for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalesha. But they did not find him. Now watch this. His father had put him on an assignment to go find the donkeys. Now Saul could have got an attitude with the assignment, like so many of us do. <laughs> Saul could have got nasty with the assignment. Or Saul could have did what some people do. They just don't do an assignment. Y'all quiet. I know you're here now. You get, if you get up, you'll look guilty. So you might as well just sit down. Right? Some people just don't take the assignment. I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to do nothing. Right? But here it is. Saul's father had given him an assignment to go find something that was lost. The assignment is between what is lost and between God speaking to you to go find what was lost. What has God charged you with to go do? What is your assignment? Because when he calls you, it means he is trying to restore something unto himself. When he called us to go to Philly, there was something and there's people in Philly that he said, Andre, that I've assigned you to. And I'm saying, God, there's a lot of people in Philly that love God. Yeah, but this, the, the, this is your assignment. And no one can do your assignment. What has God called you to find that is lost that only you can go and find? He went to go find donkeys, watch this, and he, and he took his servant with him. Please take one of the servants. Now, he could have said, why don't you just send the servant? The servant can go find the donkeys. But no, he said, that's your assignment to go find the donkeys. And if you read on later on in a couple of verses, uh, you, you read that, watch this. What happened was, this is totally amazing, is that uh, they could not find the donkeys after a while. But the servant said, hey, there's a man by the name of Samuel who's a prophet. And Samuel knows everything. God speaks to him. Let's go see him. Now watch this. Now Saul is being introduced to his destiny because of his obedience. But if he had got tired of doing the right thing, and if you read this, he went to five different cities. He was gone for weeks at a time, so long that he said, listen, if we don't get back, my father's going to think something happened. He was gone to five different cities, but yet he kept going because he knew that he had an assignment. God blesses you in the mundane things. 
Don't get tired of doing what's right. Got here this morning. I dragged Kevin with me to the, to, we went to the storage place. He's sleeping now, but I took, took him to the storage place. And uh, uh, we went down to the storage place. I said, listen, I want, you, <laughs> I want you to see what I do every Sunday morning before I preach. I want you to see I got to go to the storage. I got to pick up the storage. I got to set the flags up. But there's some days, Sister Chris, I get tired of doing what's right. But I have to remember the scripture that if you keep doing what's right, at the end, there's a harvest. And I want to encourage you today, don't get tired of doing what's right because God has a harvest for you. Because somewhere between your obedience, you're going to intersect with destiny. You think you're just hanging a flag. You think you're just greeting. You think you're just straightening chairs. But God is training your spirit like he did Michael Phelps to win when nobody is watching, Jess, you're there, you're setting up the table. You don't never know. God's going to say, man, look at that. She's dedicated, man. Dedicated. She can be doing a thousand different things today. But, man, she's dedicated. I got to make sure that she comes into intersection with her destiny. He's looking for dedicated people. Somebody say dedicated. dedicated. Verse number six says, and he said unto him, this is what a servant said to him after they went to five cities. He says, look now, there is in this city a man of God. And he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Watch this. He says, hey, we tried to do this assignment on our own, but now let's go seek God for our assignment. It's toil when you try to do what God's called you to do on your own. Can I say it again? It's toil when you try to do what God's called you to do on your own. But it's so much easier when you do it with him. It's so much easier when you do it with him. Somebody say, I'm going to do it with God. Two more scriptures. We're going to pray. Y'all getting hot and sleepy. Look at this. Look at this. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, we're almost there. Come on. Tell them we're almost there. Come on. Come on. Tell, tell them we're pulling you to destiny. Come on. Come on. We're pulling you to destiny. Come on. Tell them. Tell them. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, we're pulling you to destiny. We're pulling you to destiny. Come on. You can't give up. You're going to run this race. You're going to win. You're not going to lose. Do I have any winners here today? You're not going to lose. Come on. Now, if you want to lose, you can leave. Go ahead. But if you want to win, you're going to stay here because we're going to make sure you win. I don't want nobody losing at RCC. Amen? Amen? Look at the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and 17. Then Jesse said to his son, watch this, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of, uh, of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Now, we all know who David is, right? We read the story of David, but David got introduced to his assignment by serving lunch. Come on, you got to see this. David got introduced to his assignment by serving lunch. David got introduced to his assignment by serving lunch. He didn't go and say, uh, even though he had been anointed, even though God's hand was on him, the prophet had already anointed him, but after he got anointed, he still served lunch. An anointing does not mean you're exempt for serving. An anointing, an anointing allows you to serve even better. Come on. Come on. It allows you to serve even better. It allows you to do even better. David got introduced to Goliath and his assignment by serving lunch. What are you thinking that's beneath you that you won't do that's keeping you from being visible to your purpose? Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. 
Come on, what, 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 what are you not doing because you think it's beneath you? But that thing is what God has designed for you to be exposed to your purpose. While you're sweeping, while you're doing, while you're serving somebody in the city, while you're feeding lunch to a poor person, God can give you an idea, but that idea is waiting in that spot, not this spot. That concept, that, that, that creativity, that ingenuity is waiting for you over there and not over here, but you're so busy trying to stay here and not do what God's called you to do. Go serve some lunch so you can be introduced to your destiny. Don't be the one who always eats the lunch. Go serve the lunch. Come on, y'all quiet here today. Come on, come on. We, we want to be served, but God's looking for people to serve. Right? It's, it's the mundane things. It's the things that look like they get no fanfare that God introduces you to your purpose. Man, I wish everybody in here had some harvest hands. Always say, RCC doesn't need people. We need harvest hands. We don't need bodies. We need harvest. The people that are willing to grab and to serve lunch. David, after he had got anointed from Samuel, Pastor Rick went and served lunch to his brothers. He sees Goliath and says, hey, I can take on that uncircumcised Philistine. He said, what are you talking about? You're nothing but a child. I, I can take on that. And he says, hey, whoever takes him on, the king gives him land, pays his debts for life, blesses his whole family. Now watch this. David would have never saw that if he had not served lunch. Saul would have never met Samuel if he had not been obedient to go find some donkeys. Some of you say, well, I can use my time better. There's no better use of time than serving God. (laughs) There's whatever that entails, right, there's, there's no better use of time than serving. Come on, somebody. And we don't teach serving anymore. We want to tell people how to get houses and cars and stuff and money. You know what? You get blessed when you serve. Who cares if you have all that stuff and it's not built on a solid foundation, which is Christ? He says, seek ye first, Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, whatever your things are, they will be added to you. You don't have to worry about it. He'll add them to you. He'll upgrade you automatically. He'll upgrade you automatically. I remember I was flying one time. I read this last scripture. We're going to pray. And I was, uh, I sat there and literally, this is the God honest truth. I whispered in my heart, I said, I want to fly first class today. Now, watch this. I said I want to fly first class with a coach ticket. I had a coach ticket, so I mean, but I wanted to fly first class. I said, Lord, my, I, they, they get real spiritual. My father's rich in houses. And you start quoting scripture while you're sitting there, you know. You, yeah, right, right, the cat on a thousand hills. And you said, you, you know, you start, you start working that word all of a sudden. And I, I don't know why it dropped in my heart that I, that I, I said, I want to ride first class today. And I was getting on the line. I says, today I'm going to ride first class. And I made it known to my father, I want to ride first class today. And I got, this is the God on the truck. I got to with the ticket counter where they were loading. And I think I was in like, you know, if you don't pay extra, you're like in, in group four, group six, nine, right? <laughs> right? They throw you all, if you don't pay that extra $50, you're all the way in the back of the group. And I was like, you know, I, I was like, man, I, I don't know if I'm get first class. I'm group nine. I'm not even like, so I, I, I get to the front, and this is the God of the truth. I get to the front, and, a, and the gentleman takes my ticket. He looks at me, and he t- looks at my ticket, and he says, hold on one second. I didn't say nothing. He began to do, he said, here you go. There's a new ticket going. So I said, all right. I thought maybe something's wrong. I look at my ticket. And he had upgraded me automatically to a first-class seat. 
And I was like, that's what happens when you roll with the kingdom. The kingdom takes your coach seat and makes it a first class seat. And you didn't even have to beg or ask or lie or nothing. Right? He says, I will do all those things for you. I'm going to make sure that you go from the back to the front. David was not seen by anybody, but yet he was seen by the one that mattered. He was seen by the one that mattered. I have some of my colleagues who are out there preaching. They think I came to Philly to die. <laughs> They're like, how did you stop what you were doing and you came to Philly to start a church? Where, 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 are you like off to meet us? I know I'm serving lunch, man. I don't always like it, but I got to serve lunch because that's what my assignment is, to serve lunch. And if I keep serving, God's going to honor it. God's going to honor it. Last scripture, we're going to pray. Y'all ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. I love this. I want you to pay attention to what I highlighted. Here's Jesus having a conversation with his disciples. And he had called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out to command them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. And for the next 15, 20 verses, Pastor Rick, he gives them do's and don'ts. Here's the key. That first thing he did was he called them, and when he calls you, he calls you in order to give you something. Rather, it's an assignment, whatever it is, a passion, he gives you something, but he will never give you something that he has not already prepared you to go and to give it back. He gives you to give back. That makes sense to you? He gives you to give back. So he calls you, he gives you, and then he sends you. He calls you, he gives you, and then he sends you. People like to be called, they like to be given, but they don't like to go. They don't like to be sent. I'm comfortable with all the things God gave me. I'm, I'm comfortable. No, 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 no. He said, if I call you and I give you, I have to send you. I have to send you. So God said, hey, there's some of you here today. Yeah, I've called you. How many people know that God has a call on your life? Come on. There's a calling on your life. There's a calling. In case you didn't know, if you're here today, there is a calling on your life. There's a calling on your life. Right? And he gave them power. Over unclean spirits. He, he gave them power to do what he called them to. He gave them power to do what he called them to. God will never call you to something and not give you power to do what he called you to. That makes sense to you. He gives you power to do what he called you to. God will never allow you to go out there and not give you the authority to do it. But everything comes in seed form. Watch as many times, and I'm done, people want to, it would be great if you could just wake up and be everything that God called you to be overnight. But the Bible says that when he had the people of Israel and close your Bibles, he says he took them the long way so that he can train their spirits. Everybody that becomes a cop has to go through a police academy. <laughs> you got to go, go through some kind of training before you can become who God's called you to be. But I want to encourage you today from this first scripture not to be discouraged. Look at somebody and say, don't be discouraged. Don't get tired of doing what's right. For after a while, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't get discouraged 
and give up. If you don't remember anything else I said today, I want you to stand to your feet. Uh, he says, don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to throw in the towel. Come on. He said, but I want you to know that this race that I've called you to run, I didn't call you to lose it. I called you to win it. I called you to win it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I called you to win it. So what has God called you to? What, the, what assignment has he given you? And today I'm going to pray that God give you that, that winner spirit. Because some of you don't have that winning spirit. You just, I'm here, pastor. <laughs> I'm up. I, I'm here. It's another day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. Hey, come on. It's better than that. It's better than that. Come on, tell somebody, it's better than that. When you walk through that door, you don't, we ought to have to calm you down because you're so excited with so much joy. Right? People don't have no more joy. Where's your joy at? Where's your joy? Where's your excitement knowing that God has great things for you? Where's your peace knowing that, hey, if I'm in the will of God, I'm in the perfect place. I couldn't be anywhere else other than where God called me to be. So today, just for a couple of moments, I want you just to lift those hands and just begin to ask God, God, to help me to not have a give up spirit. Help me, help me to have the winning spirit that no matter what I face tomorrow, no matter what I face on Wednesday, no matter what I face on Thursday, let me always remember that you called me to win. I come against the spirit of discouragement and give up and tired. Don't let me get weary in doing well, but help me to be encouraged. The more I do, let me get stronger and stronger. Wise and wise and God, and to the point where God, the blessing just effortlessly, effortlessly, effortlessly just overtakes me. Effortlessly, it just begins to jump on me and overtake me. Father, we give you glory and praise. Come on, just begin to open your mouth for a couple of seconds and just begin to thank him out of your voice. But your own voice, just begin to thank him. Just begin to tell him how much he means to you. Come on, begin to lift up your voice. Come on, he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you say, well, you say, ah, I, I, I'm tired. See, the word has to be first, past your feelings, past what you think. When you learn how to praise him, despite of how you feel, despite of what you see, despite of what you think, man, God gets excited. God gets excited. Come on, just begin to thank him. Come on, right where you stand, just begin to thank him. Just begin to glorify him. Just begin to give him praise. He wants to hear you tell him thank you. He wants to hear you say, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to give you glory. I'm here to give you praise. No one's going to outpraise me. No one's going to outworship me. I come to do only what you called me to do. My voice is not like anybody else's voice. No one can say thank you like I can say thank you. No one can worship you like I worship you. No one can praise you like I praise you, God. Come on, you begin to create value when you begin to praise God. You begin to create value when you begin to worship God. You begin to create value when you know how to lift up your voice and give him thanks. Man, he says he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. That means he lives where you praise. He lives where you praise. He lives where you praise.